Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Okay, we're still in Generation Next and uh, last week we looked at how there was a massive call to obedience after they entered the promised land. Remember we talked about that was strange. It was kind of a weird moment because you'd have thought God should have done this before they crossed over. It was sort of like a, a bit of a, God, I'm not dead sure that's the wisest thing you're doing. You know, it would have been better circumcising all these men before they crossed over, before they went into enemy, enemy territory. But it was a step that left them vulnerable to their enemies But it was also a step that left them totally reliant on God. And that's not a bad place to get to. And that's the place I think God was taking them to. And then we looked at how the whole nation turned back to God in obedience, re-circumcision. And then they remembered they they had Passover. And we talked about this last week. And Joshua and the people obeyed God. The circumcisions were performed. Time was taken to heal. And then God said this to Joshua, this time, today I've rolled away, remember we talked about this last week, the reproach of Egypt. Imagine they've been out of Egypt for 40 years. For 40 years, and God says, today, today, it's taken 40 years to deal with this stuff in you. You think you're dealing with stuff over the last number of months, or last few years. Here's a people who were dealing with stuff for 40 years. And uh, there came a point where, God had to bring them over into a land, into the enemy's territory, make them totally vulnerable to the enemy, make them totally reliant on God, to make them realize that God was in control and he could rule the reproach of Egypt that they carried all that stuff that they carried for 40 years, he could deal with it. The time of slavery and bondage was over, wandering was now over, Israel was home, and they were now fully God's people. Beautiful story. And if we enter into the battle without doing a personal and spiritual inventory, we will find ourselves fighting some battles that shouldn't be fought because they're petty and they're grounded in our own sin. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. So what I want to do today, I want to talk to you about the power of seeing a new dimension. I want to talk to you about the ability and the power to see a new dimension, all right? Okay, now we're going to do a little age test here, all right? A little age test, okay? Uh, Here goes. I want you to put your hand up if anybody in the room knows what that is. (laughs) That is what's called an eight-track cartridge. Those of you who are my age and older will have had one of these in your car. And it was was for playing music. Um, Eight-track cartridge. And then, thankfully, I didn't have too long to put up with this nonsense because I got one of these. (laughs) And um, um, I got a cassette tape. Remember how you could record in those C30, C60, and C90? Do you remember? Do you remember what that means? 90 was 45 minutes at each side. Well, really hear this. I had a, I had a, I was cool guy. I had a Ford Escort Mark I. And I had in that a, a Pi, P-Y-E, um, cassette player, and it was auto-reverse. 
I've not been cocky or arrogant, but not many people had them. And it was pretty cool. And what happened is, when it come to the end of the tape, instead of you having to push the button and take the tape out and turn it over, what you actually could do is, it just clicked over itself. It was pretty cool. It kept winding the tape out, and you always carried a pencil. Do you remember? <laughs> always carried a pencil so you could roll them back in again. And then you, you thought it was cool. You thought it would last forever. And then along came the, the flattened everything out. And... Um, Steam rolled it all, and it became flat and became a little um, CD. And many of you might have had these little things. I remember walking the park many times with my little CD um, recorder and, the, and my ear pods in. And then you thought that was pretty cool. You thought that was the age. And then I never really got into the mini discs much, but I uh, couldn't really understand them. But the mini disc player was sort of the next thing that came along. And generations just kept moving along, didn't they? And then, then it got a little bit cooler than that. We got one of these things, you know, and we got MP4s and all of that. And, and things just began to develop. And then the coolest phone that anybody could ever have was one of these things. I loved my Blackberry. It was lovely. And you know how I ended up to get an iPhone? I went to, I went, my, my Blackberry broke, the little rollerball in the middle, they give trouble, and it stuck... And I went into the O2 shop, and this young girl, who was maybe about 17, 18, she said to me, I said, hey, could, could you get this phone fixed for me? And she says, what do you want to fix that for? It's a load of junk. <laughs> and I says, beg your pardon? And she goes, junk. She says, she says someone your age needs an iPhone. <laughs> and I went, someone my age? And she says, yes, it's a phone for dummies. <laughs> and I went... All right, okay. I, I'm beginning to like this girl. Actually, I don't like her, but now I'm beginning to like her. And um, so I remember coming out of that phone and ringing home and saying, I can't believe this. I went in to get my Blackberry fixed and I've just come out with an iPhone. And hence, the, the rest is history. But all I'm saying is, th things develop. Things change. And if you think it stops here, like if you look at the evolution of the smartphone, some of you will remember back in 1984, that big brick of a thing. I actually remember Alan having one. And um, uh, I got one as well, actually. And then they, they moved along, and they just keep moving along, and things keep moving along. And then it sort of we went through the age where the smaller it could get, the better. Like you're running about with this wee phone this size. You know, that was the cool thing. Now they have to be the size of a brick again. It's sort of they're getting bigger, and then they go smaller. And that's the way things go. And so what happens is... These are, these are just progressions through the years, not miracles. They're not miracles. They're just new information that leads to new dimensions of intellect. That's all it is. Could it be that I, maybe if I suggest to you that maybe it's not miracles we need as much as we just need to allow our minds to develop in the things of God that take us into new dimensions of intellect, that take us into new dimensions with God that, that will only come through listening, discerning the times, waiting on the fresh word from God. Now, I believe there's a great lesson to learn in this this morning, and we're going to look at this in the life of Joshua. But before I do that, let me jump back to Moses. This is a passage of Scripture that was very powerful to me back in the late 90s, um, whenever God was really speaking about where to go as regards church planting. 
And this verse in Deuteronomy 2 says, Then we turned around, went back into the wilderness, following the route to the Red Sea, as God had instructed me. So God spoke and God told them to do this. But then you see God spoke again. The voice of God, he's speaking again. God, then God said, then God said, you've been going around in circles these hills long enough. Go north. And I feel God has been saying to me that this is a season of whispers, that we're in a season where we need to know the difference between God's word and God's voice. Now, I'm a man of the word. You know that. I love the word of God. Um, but John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice, all right, not know my word, which is important. And I think we've got to differentiate. We become so religious about the word, we actually miss the voice. And here these guys have been circling for 40 years. It had a purpose. But if God, and if God sends circle, circle, there's no doubt about that. But just be aware that there's coming a day when God can speak again. God hasn't lost his voice. And um, you are listening to my voice this morning. All right, you're listening to my voice. A voice gives you more than a text. Actually, they tell us that 7% of communication is words. 7% is words. 38% is tone. And 55% of communication is body language. Pretty incredible. All right? Voice gives tone and inclination. It can um, indicate danger. It can indicate love. It can indicate mercy. They say you can say the, little, the three little words, I love you, seven different ways just by tone of voice. I love you or I love you. And on and on we could go. And so your voice is a very powerful thing. Voice, as I say, gives tone and inclination, a text a WhatsApp or an email, and God forbid, an emoji can't do that. This now means, okay, I'm coming. We send a red heart to say, I love you. And uh, all of this has changed. And I think um, God's word is really important to me, right? But the verse I just read to you was from 3,000 years ago. And there's been a whole lot of updates since. We need to make sure we've got them. We need to make sure that we're getting the updates. My phone or computer like yours is always receiving updates. I'm an update freak. An update comes in my phone in the middle of something. I have to stop and do it. And then I think, why did I do that? But it's just, I, I need the updates. It keeps it fast, I think. It keeps it current. And I need those updates spiritually because I don't want to be living my life in the past that all the 20 and 30-year-olds are thinking, they're getting all the updates and they're thinking, what about old Moses? Or is he just blind and deaf? Is he missing what God said? So there's something really important about hearing the fresh voice of God. And in Joshua 1, when God spoke to Joshua and he said, my servant Moses is dead, he wasn't, that wasn't information. <laughs> it wasn't like, in case you didn't notice, Joshua, Moses is dead. It wasn't information. It was a, it was a, the nature was a new memo. It was a new season. It was an update moment. He was saying, Moses brought them out of something old. Now, Joshua, I want you to bring them into something new. And there's something about coming out of things. It's another thing about going into things. I often say it's one thing getting out of the red. It's another thing getting into the black when it comes to your bank account. 
And so I know many people who know the word, but it's evident they don't know the voice, and that's sad. And to know the voice, you must have a 24-hour relationship with God. You've got to know God intimately. Here's what Paul said to the church at Corinth. He says, who has made us competent to the ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I love the Bible so much, but you can't have a relationship with paper and leather. You've got to have the relationship with the author. And if you've just got the relationship with the, 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 the book and missed the voice, you, the Pharisees knew the word. They hung it on their hands, on their wrists. They hung it on their foreheads. They knew the word. But when the voice was right in the middle of them, they missed it. They were so intent on the word, they missed the voice. And they crucified the Lord of glory. And Jesus would say, Jesus was the, Jesus was the Pharisee's memo. He was the Pharisee's update. He would say to them, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And they ignored it. They ignored it and they crucified him. If I write you a letter, you don't have a relationship with a letter. You have a relationship with me. If someone you really love writes you a letter from a distance, you don't, it's not you fall in love with the letter. You fall in love with the person who wrote the letter. And back in 1991, I thought I had things rightly worked out when it came to the Bible and I loved it with all my heart. And God racked up. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, standing on top of a old powder tank in Doncaster docks in England, and didn't know what end of me was up, and uh, racked my theology. How dare I? And, uh, and it's why we get ourselves in trouble, folks. It's why we get ourselves in trouble via text. It's why we get ourselves in trouble via email and WhatsApps, because there is nothing more powerful than a voice. There is nothing more powerful than a voice. And in this new season of overflow, please listen to the whispers. Please listen for the fresh voice from heaven. When Abram took Isaac to kill him, it was because he heard God's word to do so. God said to him, take your son, your only son Isaac you love. I want you to take him up to the top of the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him to me. That was the word. That was the word of the Lord. And he goes on this three-day journey. And unless he had been open to the voice, don't do it, which I imagine was pretty urgent and pretty clear, I wonder how many Isaacs have been killed because people have lost their inclination to hear the voice from heaven. So back to Joshua, all right? There's another scene in this chapter that helps us discern two, two more principles for preparing for battle. Last week we looked at circumcision, which is more than a circumcision of the flesh, a circumcision of the heart. It's recognizing yourself as God's people. It's remembering Passover. It's remembering all that God's done. Two more principles today. Joshua 5. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Notice this sword wasn't in its sheath. It's in the man's hand. It's drawn. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us? Are you for the enemies? Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord... I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The, the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Imagine the setting now. Joshua's out pacing. He's seeking the Lord's counsel. Nobody really knows he's out here. 
He's out trying to figure out the best way to proceed with Jericho um, just ahead of them. He's weighing up all kinds of options. Uh, maybe he's pondering the new beginning for the children of Israel. He's overwhelmed maybe with the responsibility before him, I reckon. Was he really up to the challenge? Is he really the right man for the job? How did he get to this point when he feels so underqualified? Um, and suddenly before him, there's this magnificent figure who is a man with a drawn sword and it appears that the man just stood there. And Joshua takes a deep breath and goes up to the man and asks, are you on our side or are you on their side? Whose side are you on? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? When you meet somebody with a sword drawn. <laughs> are you my side or their side? That's a good question, I think. And the man, of course, told Joshua that he's the commander of the Lord's army and that Joshua must take off his sandals because he's in holy ground. And Joshua knew immediately that he was in the presence of the divine. I reckon his mind maybe went back to the story of Moses um, at the burning bush, been told to take off his sandals because he was on holy ground. Some believe, many of the theologians believe that this is actually an Old Testament appearance of Jesus, what we would call the pre-incarnate Jesus. It's what's called a Christophany, I think. Um, and um, I think they're right. I think they're right. The angel of the Lord, probably the pre-incarnate Jesus. And this encounter reminded Joshua that this battle was not a battle that he had to fight on his own. And that's what I love about this. Joshua would be fighting alongside the army of the Lord. As a matter of fact, he would just need to know rank and file. If this is the commander of the Lord's army, then what Joshua needed to do was get right in behind him. Follow rank and file. And so um, I love stories like this. It reminds me of the story of Elisha. Um, in 2 Kings 6, one morning, Elisha's servant gets up, goes out to get water, and he realizes that in the valley where Elisha, he lives with his uh, master, Elisha, there is the army of Aram right around the, coming to, 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 to kill Elisha. And basically what happened was everything that Aram, if you go back on the story, everything that Aram, the king of Aram went to do, the Israelite people knew. And somebody, he thought he had a spy in the camp and he pulled all his officials in and he said, right, find the spy in the camp. Somebody said, we don't have a spy in the camp. It's, it's, there's a prophet called Elisha in the Israelite um, camp. And he says, he knows your every move. He says, as a matter of fact, his God tells him what you do in your bedchamber. It's, it's in 2 Kings 6. You can read this story for yourself. I'm not making it up. And Aram, the king of Aram, is so angry. He says, right, go, go kill him. Go get him. Kill this guy. And so they arrive, and the servant goes back in, and he wakens up Elisha, and he says, Elisha, the army of Aram's here. We're doomed. We're, we're done for. And this is what happened. Um, Elisha said, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of the horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Here's what happened. He didn't pray for another miracle. He prayed for another dimension. Could it be that we're living in a day and age in which God's bringing us into a new dimension? Just as all of our smartphones and everything 
in, 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 in the secular world all increase as dimensions rise in intellect, could it be that God's saying, church, it's time to come up a level. It's time to come up a level. It's time to open your eyes to a new dimension. The army of the Lord was with Elijah. When we face our battles, we, we can have this confidence because the Bible's full of verses like this. Here's just a couple. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He says, and we know that if God is for us, no one can stand against us. I could quote you loads more. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. You'll be able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think because it's according to the power that works in you as children of God. We may feel desperately alone and overmatched at times, but God has promised that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. God's resources at our disposal, folks, today. Please hear this, child of God. Please hear this. You are not alone. As you face chemotherapy, you are not alone. As you recover from a divorce, you are not alone. As you try to build a new life after the loss of a spouse, you are not alone. As you face a non-just lawsuit, you're not alone. As you fear starting over after losing a job, you're not alone. If you're forced to live in a body that no longer works the way it used to work, you are not alone. As you try to break the power of an addiction, you are not alone. As you face the future with that special child of yours that needs more attention than you can actually give him or her, you are not alone. As you dare to stand up in a hostile environment for God, in an academic environment or whatever, you are not alone. Perhaps you can't see the army of God that is with you and you're filled with fear. It doesn't matter whether you see them or not. The army of God is at your disposal because Colossians 1 tells us it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. He's in you. He's in you. He's in you. He's in you. And so when you go into that room tomorrow or go into that appointment tomorrow, you are not alone. God lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit and he's given his angels charge over you. And yes, death will come all our way. Every person Jesus prayed for died. If the vehicle of God will take us home. If he doesn't return, then take us all at one go. Um, but you must make sure you're fighting the same battle. And there's one more thing to notice, right? Joshua asked the commander of the army um, who he was fighting for, and the answer was, oh, don't worry, I'm with you. Uh, that's what I would have loved him to say. Don't worry, Joshua, I'm on your side. But that's not what happened. He, he, he says, neither, or I like to put it this way, I don't take sides, Joshua, I take over. I don't take sides, I take over. Joshua, you see, was asking the wrong question. He was, the question was, God, are you coming to fight with us? We do that all the time as churches. God, will you bless my ministry? God, I'm going to do this. Would you come and bless me? Jesus is actually saying to Joshua, Joshua, I'm not on your side. You need to be on my side. You need to be figuring out where I'm going, what I'm doing. And then you go and you, 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 you join ranks with me. And that's what, what Joshua's task was to fight the battle of the Lord. And he would be successful because the Lord was on his side. And all too often we're guilty of trying to make God the champion of our cause. 
and uh, rather than seeking to be obedient in his work. And uh, we often try to win God's opinion rather than submitting our hearts and minds to him. We want God to support our political leanings. We want God to have our approaches to worship. We want God to agree with us on this. Our national allegiances, our theological distinctives, our personal preferences and opinion. We're always trying to call God on our side. Well, we've turned things around because the Spirit of God works as He wills, not as we wills. <laughs> he works as He wills, not as we wills. <laughs> And uh, we've got to find out what God's doing and hear his voice and fight him in that strength. And I'm I, I, I just conscious that I think many of our battles are just on the wrong front. We're fighting for petty things. We Churches divide over the color of a carpet. Don't seem to even notice that the nature of Christ is under attack. Argue about the styles of worship. Don't seem to notice that their theology has been drawn more from a culture of the world than from the word of God. We debate programs designed to amuse the faithful and don't seem to notice that we've stopped reaching the lost. We debate bias in the news media, and we ignore the standard of truth in the Bible. On and on I could go. Before we go into battle, we need to ask, are we fighting with God, or are we hoping to get God to fight with us? That's a big question. And so three things to finish. We all face battles in life, and what I hope you've seen in this passage is that first we need to see that... Um, it's important, the battles that we actually fight. And so the first thing I would say to you is ask yourself. Ask yourself a simple question. Is there something in my life I need to get right with God? Is there a sin I need to confess? Is there a job to do? Is there an attitude to change? Like a soldier who makes sure his equipment is in order before going into the battle, likewise, we need to make sure that our heart is in order before we take onto the battlefield. And some of the most significant battles of our lives are internal. Some of the biggest battles in my life have been with God, not with the enemy. And dealing with stuff in yourself. And this is what, this is what God is doing to Joshua and the Israelites. He's making them deal with their internal demons, making sure they're all sorted before they go out to fight the big battles. And, and when they're facing the demons of Jericho and facing that there, that they're not dealing with insecurity in their own life that they're not dealing with an addiction in their own life because they're facing the big stuff. And he said, make sure you get all this stuff sorted before you go into this. Don't dare go into this when you haven't dealt with this. This is what he said. So you need to ask yourself that question. And then the second one, you need to rely on the strength of the Lord. Remind yourself of God's promise, his character, his past faithfulness. Remind yourself again and again that you're not alone even though you can't feel or see the angels of the Lord around you, um, you, you, you can see them with the eyes of your heart. I know you can. And then you need to be clear on the true nature of the battle. Make sure you've dealt with this before you do this. And there's something about that. It's a, if the battle is just about winning, if it's about removing pressure um, rather than about remaining faithful, if it's about... Um, making sure my opinion is heard rather than actually what God really wants to bring out of this. See what I'm saying? Really, really important. These are big things, big things. And, and I, feel that, I feel there's a, a world shift in a spiritual realm at the moment. I feel like the world as we know it is shifting. There are, they, the, the, the tectonic 
plates and that what they call them in the world. I think there's a big shift at the moment in the spiritual realm. And I feel it everywhere I go. And I sense it in my spirit every time I pray and every time I intercede. And I feel that God is calling people to a new place. I wish I could tell you that every time you do all of these things, all your battles will be won. I wish I could tell you that there'd never be any pain or heartache in your life. Uh, Of course, I could tell you those things, but it wouldn't be the truth. But what I can say with confidence is this. If you and I will do these things, we will have the strength we need to fight the battles that really need to be fought. And uh, we will do it. We will frequently see walls of opposition come down and we will see significant victories in our life and we'll see the walls of Jericho come down. Um, And I think God is calling us to a new dimension. And I say this because if you read the stories in Mark 9 and Luke 9, which are the two gospel um, illustrations of the transfiguration and you'll find that um, it says that um, these, these guys who, who had saw Jesus raise the dead, they had saw him heal the sick, they had saw him do miracles and power and then it said that Jesus brought them up to the mountain and he lifted the veil to show them a new dimension. He, he brought them to show them something that would change their lives forever. It would change the way they prayed. They would, they would something that would, would happen in their lives. And I, I sense that God is lifting that veil at the minute and he's bringing believers into a new dimension of authority. God is, is up to something this day and age across the world. And uh, I think people will want it. They will grow strong. They will stand firm. They will be courageous. They will serve him with honor. And here's this generation. I was thinking about this this week. Forty years they'd wandered in the wilderness, and I often feel a little bit sorry for them. I feel like um, you can sort of think, well, they, they failed. They just messed it, and so God had to wipe them out. And that's sort of the way we think sometimes. But I wonder, I wonder, did they miss it completely? Because the next generation followed hard after God which the generation after Joshua didn't. <laughs> so I wonder that, uh, so what happens in generations, if you can imagine, all right, okay, so here, he, a generation rises up. This generation was, was faced to go into the promised land, missed the call because 10 of the spies came back with a bad report. And then the generation, that generation fell. And another generation rose up. And this generation now would be the generation that would go in. Why would this generation be able to go in? I think because this generation taught them well. I actually do think they taught them well. I think, they, I think as they journeyed, they realized the mistakes they'd made. And while they've still made some more, they taught their next generation. And so as one generation dies and another generation rises, this generation will do something because this generation passes something on. And I think that's really important. Uh, because we need, so what they were doing, they were getting them ready for a church that they would never see. A fight that they would never fight. They were actually preparing them to get a land that they would never walk into, but the next generation would. And we are all preparers of generation next. All of us, from the youngest to the oldest, we are all preparers of generation next. We enjoy the culture and power of God today. But we all continue to help the next generation to get ready to fight the battles ahead because um, for the church it is to be. And please remember, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. (laughs) 
Just because you can't see technology growing every day doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Just because we don't see the new dimension in our everyday life doesn't mean it's not happening. This stuff is real. And our assignment is to make sure that the generations coming after us know who God is. It's a bit like the relay race. People saw me coming in with this this morning thought it was a dangerous object. But it's a bit like the relay race. Um, I, I love watching Olympics and stuff like that on TV. And our assignment is to make sure the next generation coming after us know who God is. And... Um, and in a relay race, while speed is important, it's not everything, the key is the handoff. The key is the handoff. And you see, you can run as fast as you can all day long, but if you miss the handoff, you've missed the race. If you miss the handoff, the kingdom handoff. That's a good title, isn't it? The kingdom handoff. That's fresh off the press. Um, they missed the promise, but God allowed them. They missed the promise, but God allowed them a shot at the kingdom handoff. And I think they got this one right. The kingdom handoff. They, and if we run the race well and miss the kingdom handoff, we've missed the greater victory. If we drop it, we've missed it. We've missed the greater victory. And we go to our graves being our own legends, but we miss the kingdom handoff. And we miss pushing the next generation into the place that they would be that we might never see, but they will. And so, I think sometimes in our misunderstanding of new dimensions, we've got baby boomers, which I'm one of, baby busters, Generation X, millennials, generations, I get mixed up in them all, millennials and all of that. But let's prepare ourselves for victory. Let's prepare the next generation for victory. Let's stop accepting less. Let's, let's make sure the kingdom handoff is right. That's sure, let's make sure we make sure the next generation carries something of God that we invest in them, that we just don't leave them our money and our houses and whatever else and our cars, but we leave them a kingdom investment of heart that will carry their next generation, that they'll be able to pass down as a kingdom handoff. Time's gone. Let's stand and we pray. Father, thank you for the people in this room. There's not one person in this room that's not an influencer. There's not one person in this room from your teens to your 20s to your 30s to your 40s to your 50s to your 60s to your 70s to your 80s to your 90s. And if you're over 100, God bless you. You are an influencer. And here's the thing, guys my age, here dads and granddads, grannies and mommies, can I say something to you? See the investment that you have, see this that you have for to pass over to your next generation. This is incredible. The influence that you have in your friends, the influence that you have in your sports teams, the influence that you have in your workplace. Every single one of you are influencers. And I would just pray the mantle of the kingdom handoff upon you today. In Jesus' name, may you be one who will invest in the next generation. Will you be one who will invest in the relationships around you and realize like Joshua who stands before the pre-incarnate Jesus.
and realizes he's before the commander of the Lord's army, that today you stand and you've got the commander of the Lord's army inside you, living in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So may it help you face every challenge. May it help you face everything in your life. May it help you face knowing that as you sit in that chair tomorrow, wherever it might be, that Christ is there as well. You are never alone. So strengthen each person, we pray. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you just need to pray a prayer of repentance. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of it. I turn away from it. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I receive him into my life today. Come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm your child from this day forth. In Jesus' name, if you're here watching online, pray that simple prayer, please let us know. God bless you. Enjoy your teas and coffees. And uh, remember... We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk